You're listening to The Higher Ed Marketer, the podcast for marketing professionals in higher education. Join us every week as we talk to the industry's greatest minds in student recruitment, donor relations, marketing trends, new technologies, and much more. If you're looking for conversations centered around where marketing in higher ed is going, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the Higher Ed Marketer Podcast. I'm Troy Singer. He's Bart Kaler. And today we talk to Sandana Naidu, who is the Vice President for Communication and Marketing at Rolls-Holman Institute of Technology. The reason why we're talking to Santana is he's doing some amazing things and getting great results because of it. And he shares a few of his secrets today. So you really want to pay attention. Their team has done an amazing job in the last couple of years, uh, both marketing and enrollment, of of really bringing you know two of the largest three classes out of the entire history of the institution uh, just in these last couple of years. And a lot of people are scratching their heads saying, well, isn't that right after the pandemic? Isn't that right after? Yes, it is. And it's a very small institution, uh, limited budgets, but they're doing some amazing things. So he kind of talks about social media, um, some digital uh, targeted digital advertising, uh, as well as just, um, you know, the the idea of how they're really trying to do their storytelling. So a lot of really practical, pragmatic advice here today. So you know, if you're driving, you know, make sure you're tapping those uh, note, you know, bookmarks. Uh, otherwise, you know, make sure that you can uh, download the transcript and take a look at it later. But uh, it's a great show. Here's our conversation with Santana Naidu. Santana, we're eager to get into our conversation with you and for you to share some of the successes and how you've gotten there at Rose Holman. But before we do that, please share something that you have learned recently that would be deemed either interesting or fun to share with our listeners. Hi, Troy. Glad to be here today. Um, you know, one thing I've learned recently, I uh, subscribe to the Harvard Business Review's management tip of the day. And that's an email you get every morning, and i am become quickly a big fan of it. It takes 30 to 60 seconds to read, and it's always a good reminder uh, as you start out your morning. Very good. Well, I will certainly make note of that, and I'm always looking for ways to enhance my knowledge around our wonderful world of marketing. If you would, please share with everyone a little bit about the school that you represent. Rose Hellman is a nationally recognized private college located in Terre Haute, Indiana, which is about an hour west of Indianapolis. We're focused exclusively on undergraduate STEM in a residential setting. Uh, so we're one of the top-ranked colleges when it comes to STEM in a number of areas. Uh, for example, U.S. News ranks us uh, number one for undergraduate engineering for the last 24 years now and rank in the top 1% nationally for ROI, etc., our campus community has around 2,200 students, and uh, their common passion, I would say, is uh, STEM. They come from all over the country and the world. Uh, since we serve a niche offering, you know, we can't rely on a few feeder markets or high schools to meet our enrollment goals. And so to give you an idea, our first-year class last fall had 602 students. And they came from 490 high schools. 
wow. and represent 40 states and 18 countries. And so you can see the geographic di diversity and the opportunities and challenges that it brings. Um, you know, while we're a highly ranked and selective institution, we still have to work just as hard as most hired institutions in today's landscape to fill our class every year. And my role at Rose Hellman is I'm the VP for marketing and communications. And you mentioned that you still have to work to get those students and you said that you had an incoming class of 600, which I believe the last two classes that you've had have been the largest classes in the history of the school. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. The last two or three of the largest classes we've had in the history of the institution. Thank you. I wanted to make sure that was clear to everyone because that's the exact reason why we have you on the podcast today for you to share some of the successes and how you've gotten there because it's just not one thing. I think it's a combination of things and would love for you to kind of give us and the listeners some of your secret sauce, so to speak. <laughs> I, I think one of the things that you are known for, at least within the circles that I am in, is your social media work and marketing that you're doing. So if you would not mind just diving into some of the things that you're doing that you feel are the basis for your success. You know, I believe uh, social media strategy, execution, management, all of that has to be one of the top three priorities, if not the top priority for hired marketing team. I think these days I joke that uh, Instagram presence is equally, if not more important than even a website for an institution where students even start their search. Um, and, and then I also, separate from social media, just generally when it comes to marketing, I believe that surprise is a powerful marketing tool. And if executed well, that element of surprise can change behaviors. So oftentimes I believe that people tend to think about what do we need to say when it comes to think about marketing conversations. And instead, let's focus on what expectations and perceptions do people hold about us, prospects, current students, and how can we turn those perceptions around people? You know, So that's kind of a, a guiding principle, if you will, that we've tried to keep in mind when it comes to um, our marketing efforts overall. And so applying it to social media, let's, let's take STEM. Uh, what expectations and perceptions do people hold when it comes to STEM? Oftentimes, it's people think STEM's not creative. You know, they don't, people in STEM don't like to interact with people. You know, they sit in a dark room and do research and code all day long. And, you know, they don't like to have fun. And, you know, people think of Sheldon and Big Bang Theory, right? <laughs> right. But in reality... I'd argue it's the totally the opposite. And if you don't believe me, I invite any of you to come to spend a day at Rose Hultman or any STEM institution near you. And so I think uh, social media, how we've utilized it, is to show people that all these uh, misconceptions or perceptions around STEM, that it's not true, and have that element of surprise and show them that STEM is a creative field and, you know, they're curious about how things work and how it can be improved. And, you know, they work hard and play hard and it's a fun environment to be around. And so that element of surprise through social media has been very impactful for us. And that surprise element, as you can tell, plays into people's emotions and, you know, makes people smile and makes it memorable. Right. And so 
Um, we use various forms uh, in social media to get that message across, uh, depending on the intended platform and the audience. Um, and, you know, the nice thing is since STEM is a very visual field, it lends itself nicely in social media to use pictures and videos to tell a story. And as we all know, pictures worth a thousand words or videos probably more than worth a thousand words. And so that part plays nicely. And, and we use uh, short and long-term, uh, long-form videos, um, everything from student-produced on their phones to film crew style setup, et cetera, for content. I love that you're doing that. And I love that you're capturing that uh, creativity on, on um, social media and, I, and that idea of surprise. And sometimes, I, and I would like to ask you about this. I mean, not only is it surprise, but sometimes I, I've coined this term edutainment, where you kind of have to teach somebody about something, but you have to entertain them at the same time, which I think is so critical on, on social media. So tell me a little bit about that and how that gets incorporated with surprise. With surprise. Yeah, that's a really good point. So one of the things we've tried to do is, uh, you know, we have a lot of labs. And so, you know, we used to just show pictures of labs and we have all these facilities. And, you know, if you're a high school student, other than the fact that it looks impressive or looks clean, <laughs> what does that even really mean, right? So we've tried to take that in social media and really have our current students uh, do something in the lab and that they're actually showing them how a, a piece of equipment or why it's being used and how it's applicable in the real world industry. And these are short video clips that's been a real big hit uh, from the feedback that we're seeing. The same thing goes for in the sciences. Uh, we started uh, an area called research at Rose. And so these are um, science majors at Rose talking about some of the research work they're doing at the undergraduate level and, and kind of educating them along the way of also highlighting their experience. And so that's uh, one way we've tried to use video. Yeah. And when you talk about video, I know that we've had um, Rob Clark from that tall family on the show and a few other people talking about some specifics of, you know, in 2023, some of the, the trends that are going on in, 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 uh, in, in social media. And I know that, you know, they talk about short videos, vertical videos. So, you know, TikTok, Instagram reels, YouTube shorts. Are you using those and how are you seeing those kind of playing out that compared to maybe what you might have been doing a few years ago? Right. So we're using all of those uh, that you mentioned. One of the big things we've been trying to do in the last year is to do more verticals along the way of just shooting horizontals. And as you can imagine, that presents from a resource standpoint, a challenge of now you need an extra person to be able to also film and editing time and so forth. Right. But we've seen vertical videos always do much better in social media as opposed to taking a horizontal produced video and adding something on top and bottom to fill up the space. Right, right. And, and so um, definitely doing, trying to do more of verticals, uh, shorter videos. So one thing we've tried to do with shorter videos is anytime we have a two or three minute video or a story, we've tried to produce a 15 to 30 second, almost a trailer uh, mm -hmm. that would go with it and then play that to tease people out and then they would click through to go watch the rest of the story on the side. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. I love that idea. Yeah. And how's that? Um, I, I, I could see that working very well on Instagram and TikTok and all, all of them, YouTube's, but tell me a little bit about how you're dealing with maybe some of the TikTok, you know, I, there's, there's a controversy around that. Some schools, uh, their states have banned it. And so as part of the, you know, being a state institution, they're no longer allowed to do that. 
what have you guys been talking about that as kind of contingency plans for that? Yeah, you know, since we are not a federal institution or a statewide institution, you know, we, we uh, have not had any kind of ban on having that right. on our apps. Um, we're still posting content in TikTok, um, producing, and all of our content is student-produced content that in some ways it's getting out there anyway, whether we produce right. and hire them or not, it's already in space. And right. so we've tried to use it and leverage more from raising awareness, again, more for STEM and not uh-huh. uh, putting anything that may be uh, you know, too much confidential of any sort right. uh, that's right. out there. But we're yeah. still actively posting yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I think that's part of what I've been encouraging schools to do is, you know, just get it out there. I mean, it's even if they ban something like that, students are going to find a way around it. I mean, if a school said we're not going to have TikTok anymore, they're still going to find a way to be on and produce the, the videos. So that's great. Thank you. What I was excited to hear that you are taking on targeted digital advertising and I don't hear very many schools leaning into that. So would love to hear, A, how you define targeted digital advertising and some examples that are working well for you that probably will be a little foreign to some of the marketers that are hearing it for the first time. Given our niche offering that I mentioned to you earlier and how uh, you know they're coming from, you know, we get one or two students typically from a high school, and they're spread all over the country. And our budget and resources are limited, you know, so we don't have the luxury of relying on traditional media to get our name out there. And there's some efficiency sake too, right? Not everyone is looking to go into STEM or interested in undergraduate STEM. So we've really uh, used digital advertising and targeted digital advertising uh, to get to our prospect and inquiry pool and to our alumni. And... Uh, so what we've done is work hand in hand with either our enrollment management team or the alumni office to identify prospects or inquiries who are engaged uh, or the same thing with alumni, whether, for example, last homecoming, um, our alumni that live in uh, driving distance from to campus or people that have been to campus for uh, certain activities, we identified them and uh, targeted ads to video ads to through OTT, which is uh, on their smart TVs, uh, about our homecoming, inviting them to come to campus. And then we're able to track uh, engagement from that household and whether they went to our website or not. And so that can also drive you whether you want to continue to show the ads. And if someone's not engaging, then, you know, we just redirect and take them out of the pool and to another audience and so that's worked out really well I, I understand you know traditional media has its place and it's all about a mix right and so uh, I, I think for us we try to use our budget for traditional media for a highly concentrated population where we have alumni and need business community others to see our name out there in the general public and outside of that when you get into specifics of uh, recruiting and advancement use targeted ads. I like that idea because it seems to me like you just said, I mean, if you're if you're blanketing, you know, 40 states, you've got a large footprint that you're drawing a very niche audience from. The effectiveness of just blanketing like Indianapolis, you know, largest, you know, metro near you or even St. Louis or Chicago, the amount of students that you'd be able to pull out of there compared to uploading your purchase list and doing very targeted ads 
through this, uh, you know, platform, I can see that for, for a school your size, that makes a lot more sense because you're not going after necessarily brand awareness for everyone. You're going after, you know, a, you know, a very niche audience brand awareness of then a call to action. Is, is that kind of how you're doing some of those ads? Exactly. And so we look at uh, their engagement with us in general and how qualified, you know, other, um, you know, a prospect might be and in that case show ads and it's not the pre-roll ads and I you know when they're sitting in front of the TV you have a captive audience and so that's worked right. out really well for us to um, deliver specifically to those households and see you know the response rate from that it's been a worked out very well for us and I know a lot of people aren't familiar with with OTT which is what you just described of, of being able to deliver ads right across you know, the, a streaming platform, help people understand the difference between that and what they might know as either cable or, or broadcast. Because I think that a lot of people are shocked many times when I explain that and also talk about the difference in the pricing because they didn't realize that they could actually afford that type of. Oh, absolutely. It's much, much more affordable to do an OTT or these targeted ads to smart TVs. And it's going specifically to people that you want to see or have some qualification rather than buying through your local network TV that everyone in that community might see that may have an interest or have no interest at all. Right. Um, and so it's cheaper, much more targeted, and much, very effective. Yeah, because my understanding is you might only serve up, let's say, 10 ads one evening all across your entire network of, of where you're advertising, but there's 10 people that are targeted that are watching that ad, you know, for that 15, 30 second ad. And, and, you know, you're paying pennies compared to what you'd pay, you know, to broadcast that across elsewhere. Oh, absolutely. And you pay only for the ad shown, right? Not for just because it's, you, you don't prepay to run the ad. You only pay for the impression shown. So uh, definitely worth, you're also able to hone in on a true ROI versus going out to a persona or going out blanketed. You know who you're reaching out to. You also can tell who's responding. Is that correct? Absolutely. You know, like I used the alumni uh, engagement, and, you know, we do that for prospective students. We just did that for a giving day, which Bart happened to be on Pi Day this year. Just two <laughs> days ago was that's our right. annual giving day. Uh, but, you know, that's what we did is targeted adds to the um, them and because you can track visits from those households you're able to show ROI to your point Troy on um, you know how many people from that household ended up on the giving website after they saw uh, an ad now you can't track if it's exactly the same person that saw that for obviously privacy reasons etc but you at least have much uh, better educated data about their uh, involvement and the response rate to those. I've been piloting and playing with this with some other schools. And, and uh, in full disclosure, I've been working with my co-host, Troy Singer, with Ring Digital that does this type of work. And it's always fascinated me, too, that not only at the top of the funnel, but also at the yield season, you can also take advantage of that. Are you also doing some of that or seeing those types of results? Yep, that's what we're exactly we're doing right now is, uh, okay. you know, as we go into that season and you know, instead of showing it to the entire pool, let's show it to, you know, 5,000 admits and get them to, you know, just see the name and stay top of mind 
you know, for them as they're going about their day. And a call to action to deposit and, and exactly. take the next level. Yep. Perfect. That's great. Perfect. Well, thanks for explaining that a little bit further. Sure. Yes, I very much appreciate that conversation for sure, Santana. <laughs> but would now like to guide you to tell us a little bit about your belief and your work in storytelling and how your institution is utilizing storytelling to success. Marketing is a team sport, right? And it's not something that a marketing office can put out messages and everyone will get behind it. So we're a firm believer in trying to align marketing messages with the institution's mission and the strategic plan. And so what we've done here is narrow that down to three brand messaging pillars that uh, are differentiates us to some degree. At the end of the day, we're all offering education. You know, there's a common denominator, but at least differentiates our experience here uh, to some degree. And when we go about our day, and just because it's a college campus and a lot of things, interesting things happen at every campus and you're hit with uh, stories that are interesting for faculty members, staff, students, you know, are all after you to tell the story. So what we try to do is uh, really ground ourselves based on these three pillars for us. And when we hear a pitch or an idea from someone, we meet internally uh, for overall content brainstorm once a month and then have check-ins weekly. We try to look at it to say, does this really fit one or more of these pillars? And have we addressed that? And how do we tell it from a unique way? And sometimes it's just a social media post in maybe even in the story or it's just a post and sometimes we put all of our resources behind it to tell make it produce a video and have a written story and even maybe put some dollars behind uh, promoting that story for example we have a student a, a junior uh, mandy who's uh, in the nascar circuit i think as far as we know she's the only full-time student that's uh, also racing in the nascar circuit. Yeah. And so that's a perfect story of raising awareness for women in STEM and, you know, studying at a place like Rose Solomon and chasing her dream of being a race car driver. You know, of course, we want to put all of her resources in uh, developing that story and promoting that story. And sometimes it's like, an, you know, an internship experience, again, still worthwhile, but it might just uh, be a post uh, and not so far out. So that's kind of how we go about selection and developing stories internally. So as you kind of go through that, I mean, we all learn about the idea of stories and the importance of stories and telling the stories. And, and I think that um, how does you, how do you and your team kind of go about, I mean, like you said, faculty, everybody else is going to be giving you stories. How do you really kind of focus on what are the ones that you really want to kind of focus on to be able to, I mean, sometimes you have to make choices and, and how do you, how do you make those choices? Right. And it's uh, so a, a couple things come to mind. One is um, it, being very clear and educating the campus community on what those pillars are and how you go about selecting those stories. Uh, when I shared that in our kind of the camp, campus wide meeting uh, a year ago, I had several faculty members came back and said, I get it. Thank you for explaining why, and now I know when I see these three pillars, I'll send it to you and not just everything that comes my way, I'll send right. it to you. So I think it starts with communicating what those pillars are. And it's not an internally kept secret with the campus. Uh, and then the second part is when you do hear that, 
we just can't chase every story that comes our way, right? And right. and we can be strategic around um, maybe sending something to a quick post or a shout out, even if it's an internal communication, versus um, even if needed, hiring external resources to be able to build out a full story. You know, I mentioned about the Mandy Chick story earlier. In that case, not only we built the story, but in order to get the impressions, even on social media, as we know, just because you post doesn't mean it gets impressions. We had to put some right. dollars behind boosting the post. And so we went even that far and even uh, using going back to the digital targeted advertising uh, to have the teaser ad be shown even to prospective students in their households. And so um, I think that's something probably uh, internally you're going to have to prioritize and with, with the team and once a month. And I also think because of this rapid uh, changing landscape in higher ed, it's something that process and your pillars, you need to revisit every three years or so because as strategic plans change, presidents change, you know, institutional <laughs> priorities change. It just can't be uh, keeping that still for decades, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And I, I really appreciate that. And I just want to point out one thing for our listeners that I think you've said and a few other people have said, but I think you've done a really good job of articulating is that you really want to, as a marketing team, don't insulate yourself from the rest of campus. I mean, you've really got to engage. I mean, I know several people recently have talked about engaging with students and you brought that up earlier around, you know, pulling in students to help with social media. You know, they are your focus group. So lean into them, but don't forget about also educating your faculty and, and, and the rest of the campus stakeholders, because too many times I walk into situations where people are like, oh, faculty just don't get us. You know, we've got some real doozies in there that really kind of just like to throw barbs at us and everybody has their stories. But I think that a lot can go if you start building those relationships rather than trying to defend those relationships. And so I, I think those are some really good points that I just wanted to kind of point out on that. So thanks for giving us some wisdom in that. Santana, thank you so much for everything that you shared with us today. And we ask each of our guests at the end of each episode to share one piece of advice that could be quickly implemented by a listener after hearing it. Would you have anything that you could offer this afternoon? Show some love to your social media team. Mm. Ask them what they're working on and ask how you can help. And share their work with your leadership and be a champion for what they're doing. I feel that this is one of the most underappreciated areas in most institutions. This is no longer something an intern can do or turn over the passwords to a new grad and just tell them, you know, keep, keep up the work and <laughs> just make sure you don't make any mistakes. You know, it's right. such an important tool when it comes to reputation management, when it comes to engaging prospective students, current students, alumni, faculty, staff, that... I hope you have more than one person doing that, but you hear so much about the mental health and the mental toll that it takes on people that uh, are managing social media accounts at the institutions. I was at a conference last fall and the moderator asked a room full of social media managers from all around the country, asked to raise their hand of how many of them felt supported from their senior leadership. And I'd say I saw a handful of hands that went up. And that tells you that, and, and the amount of stress they're under, you know, just um, please take a moment to tell them you appreciate their work and how important what they're doing is important for your organization. 
Thank you, Santana. I also want to point out you started out and ended our conversation with the importance of social media. So I can see how sincere and authentic you are about it. For those listeners that have been touched as much as I have through our conversation, what would be the best way for them to contact you, B? Uh, probably the best way would be email. So my email address is uh, N-A-I-D-U, and the number one, so Naidu1 at rose-hulman, H-U-L-M-A-N, dot E-D-U. So I know it's not easy, but <laughs> Naidu1 at rose-hulman, dot E-D-U. And we'll have that in the show notes. Yes, we Perfect. will. Thank you very much for your time and the wisdom that you've conveyed to us today. We really appreciate you being a guest on the podcast. Thanks, Troy and Bart. I'm a big fan of your podcast and appreciate the time to be able to talk to you all. Bart, do you have any closing thoughts that you would like to share? Like Troy said, we started and ended with social media. And I think that that is a key, especially when we talk about vertical Vertical with uh, with video is really going to be part of your priorities, and you've got to really prioritize around those those hot places right now, Reels, um, YouTube Shorts, and TikTok. If you're not in there or you're not sure about getting in there, get in there and figure it out. I mean, even if you don't have that account, figure it out. And I also really appreciated the fact that um, we talked a lot about the stories you know, figuring out how to use social media to implement those stories, to share those stories. I love the idea of of having kind of that teaser for a longer form video uh, and, and delivering that versus so, via social media. I think that's great. And then I also really appreciated just the whole concept about educating your internal audience. Uh, I think that's sometimes, uh, uh, you know, underrated in what it takes to actually build those relationships. And I really appreciate Santana's uh, emphasis on that, not only building the relationships across campus to really educate them on what you're looking for, how they can support marketing, but also you building those relationships on your own marketing team to really kind of, you know, showing the love to your social media team, recognizing the work that's being done, because many of you are C-suite leaders. Take the time to, you know, close this podcast down, walk down the hall and just, you know, just show some appreciation to your team because they're working hard and you taking that two minutes will mean the world to them. And so be sure to do that today. And so we've also talked a little bit about, I mean, some of you might be catching this with the social media and the vertical. We've got about three or four episodes. You can go to the podcast homepage, higheredmarketerpodcast.com and do a search and you can find uh, conversations we've had with Tulane, with uh, Dillard University, with um, Rob Clark from That Tall Family, as well as this one on that. And then we'll also be putting together some playlists on Spotify where you can go and find by subject. So if you're interested in hearing all the episodes about social media, that'll be coming really soon. So uh, thanks again, Santan. It's been a great conversation. Bart, thank you. And thank you for being a wonderful sponsor of our podcast. Kaler Solutions, your company is an education and marketing branding agency. And by Ring Digital, a targeted marketing agency connecting you with your most valued prospective students directly to their devices. On behalf of Bart, Santana, and myself, thank you for joining our conversation today. You've been listening to The Higher Ed Marketer. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. 
The Higher Ed Marketer is a production of Kaler Solutions and Ring Digital in partnership with Westport Studios. Views and opinions expressed by guests on The Higher Ed Marketer are their own and may not reflect the views and opinions of their organization. Know someone who's a mover and a shaker in higher ed marketing? Visit www.higheredmarketerpodcast.com and click on our Contact Us page. We'd love to have you tell us about them. Until next time.